Let me give you this word before we take our seats. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 42. I saw y'all brought some Bibles today. <laughs> really, like the Bible quantity of the physical Bibles has increased this week. What? That's crazy. Like It's like your pastor been talking about it or something. So good. Y'all listen. That's good. Doesn't it feel good, Mike, to carry that thing? It feels good, doesn't it? I don't know about y'all, but I didn't bring mine, but I'm working on it. Praise God. Verse 35, but someone will ask, this is Paul talking to the Corinth, in the first epistle to the Corinthians. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come? Paul says, how foolish. What you sow does not become life unless it dies first. When you sow, you do not plant the body, that will be but just a seed. Everybody say a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. Look to your neighbor and say, not yours, but mine. Not all the flesh is the same, Camilla. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, but the doxa splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the doxa splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and stars differ, differs from star in splendor or glory, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, but it's raised imperishable. As you take your seats this morning, let's find four people and just tell them this is where life lives, part two. Go find them, high five them, give them a hug. If you're, if you, if you're both down with a hug, if you know them like that, you can hug them like that. Otherwise, just fist bump them. If you can't fist bump, just air five them. Just do something. Air five. Air five, double, doo -doo. double air fives, triple, doo -doo -doo. okay. This is a really short mini-series that ends today because we're starting a new series next week called Love Languages. And it's all of February. And don't worry, it's not that romantic stuff. It's about love in its entirety. So I feel like ever since we started this church, I didn't want to be a pastor who isolated February to just certain types of love. I wanted it to be more global because not everybody's in the same type of love, but we all know where love comes from and there's a language to it. So all of February is our love language series, but today we're wrapping up Where Life Lives, part two. And how many remember last week? Come on. Come on, what happened to the, to the woo from last week? Come on, somebody. They were rowdy last week. I was, I was just not prepared for it. It was so good. But last week was about application of the seed. That's the word. And we talked about life lives in the application of what we do with the seed. Thank you, Sherry. And this week, it's going to get better because once you figure out what you do with seed in your own life, it never stops there. It's actually about stewarding it into somebody else is where we're trying to go with this. So last week was about you. Today's about them. Isn't that good? Well, I came to be fed. Okay, we'll eat something. I drink black coffee for breakfast. If you want to get fed, you got to learn to steward to them. That's how you eat in the kingdom. 
you can consume, but you won't feel full until you take what you've consumed and steward. That's to, to, to implant, to do something with and put it in somebody else. That's why we call it where life lives, because that's where you find the joy of this world. That's where you find your purpose, meaning to why you get up every day. And to break it to some of y'all, it's not just to collect a paycheck. It's you have a real purpose that was spirit divine driven from the Lord since the beginning. And that, that is what we're talking about here today. The rest is good too, but without this, life is empty. And so we're, we're grateful that we know that truth. How many are glad to know that God is bigger than the carnal things of this world? And that when they shall pass away, God's word shall never pass away. Oh, by the way, they call Jesus the word. That means Jesus shall never pass away. By the way, the Bible says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And there's no greater love than to lay down your life for, for your friend, your own life. That means Jesus was the word who became and he is the Lord. He is the comfort and regeneration. Therefore, God any way you call him, whether it's by, by, the, by the Messiah, by, the, by Yahweh, you want to go Old Testament, by, by Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call him, he never will go away when the, when the rest will perish. And that encourages me. I don't know about y'all, but when I get angry, I just remember that and I feel a little better. But before we get into the word, I want to tell you kind of a funny story here that I've been praying all morning is significant to the impact the word makes on your heart today. Though when you hear the word Doritos, you probably say, I don't think so. How many like Doritos? How many like Cool Ranch? Remember back in the day when there was just the two choices? Same with Pringles. How many remember when Pringles was just a red can? And then they had, I think, cheddar. Cheddar Mo Better. Is that Biggie Smalls talk? I don't know. Sorry, my, my pass is coming out. <laughs> then they had sour cream and onion. Now they've got 97 types of combination. And you know what I can't stand is when they take a chip and try to make it taste like something else. Or when they take something else and try to make it taste like a chip. Can we just keep it basic, y'all? Like, I don't need a chip that tastes like a pizza. Guess what? I can get a pizza for that. That drives me crazy. Anyway, we're not talking about Pringles. We're talking about Doritos. Now they got cool ranch. Well, they had cool ranch. They got spicy, they got El, 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 El Nino or whatever. That's a hurricane. They got whatever. But one thing I like to do with my children, especially my one-year-olds, is let them try new things. And I feel like it's a really good dad to, to, to season my child's palate at a young age. So she appreciates the good foods with me when she's 10 and we can go do stuff that her mom doesn't like to eat. Did I say that out loud? It was up to Michelle, it'd be spaghetti, steak, and potatoes. And that's a good thing. But just in case, I'm prepping my children to, to try some other things. And so she's had sushi. She's had prosciutto ham, fresh mozzarella, you know, really Italian greats. She's had, um, what else has she had that's weird, Michelle? She had like all the New Year's Eve stuff she shouldn't have. Just a dab, cake, ice cream. So here, here as a dad, I'm thinking it's good to let her just taste it. I'm, I'm, I'm not only seasoning her, no pun intended, but I'm letting her develop. So yesterday I had a Cool Ranch Dorito. This did not go well. And I'm like, it's just a little pinch. But one thing Camilla has yet to absorb is a heavy amount of salted spices on a product. And I didn't realize, because I'm, I'm used to it, 
how bold the Dorito. Now don't, don't be acting like I'm a bad dad. It was just a little, like, like a little fingernail. It was just a little, little crumb. Okay. It's not like I took the chip and shoved it in there. I took a little bit of chip and I just put it there and she screamed at me like I was straight up Satan. And it was just the most salty, no pun intended look I've ever gotten. And I realized, okay, she's not ready for that. She's not ready for that. But I bet you, I'm just saying, next time I give her one, I bet she's like, hmm, this is a little better than I remember the first time. It was a little too, too much. And then I've had situations. So that's like for fun. We just like to let her try things because she's one and she's never got to have anything good. Like cake on our one-year-old birthday, we, we got to put the cake in her face and she eats it and loves it. But like my other children, they would not eat. Is Caleb in here? Don't hate me, buddy. I don't know if he's in here. The kid wouldn't get off milk. So I said, you're eating. Are you not growing? And so by the time he was like two or th- two, he would not get off milk and cereal, like cereal milk. And so I started like putting some other things. And we used to sit at the table and y'all gonna hate me, but it'd get, it'd get ugly sometimes, Jen. Like, like I'd have to say, you're not leaving until you taste, taste this. Banana, banana, ah. Well, for some reason, the kid went from milk to meat and then became, he had chest on, he had hair on his chest by five. I don't know. It's, it's the blood. I'm telling you, not that blood. It's the, it's the genetic blood. And, um, but you know, if I had not, I don't say forced him, but gave him no chance to walk away from this, guess what? He'd still be drinking milk. He'd still be drinking cereal. And guess what he was doing? He, he was not really growing. He was kind of like, you know, I love you, buddy, but now he's a man because we got him on that brisket, remember, buddy? And then we got him some bananas and some fruit and some soft textures. Oh, dad's so mean. And we developed his palate to where now it's normal to him. But it wasn't fun, but it was still good for you. Can I get an amen, Caleb? Amen, just a pinky. Okay, I got the pinky. I got something. I don't know if that was a pinky. Better be a pinky. (laughs) Where y'all minds at? We church people, we Christians, we don't do nothing like that, especially in the car. Anyway, if it, if it is, it's only because I'm on the receiving end. I'm just saying, <laughs> just, just joking, y'all. But as we continue this series on where life lives, we are continuing to emphasize the transition of exchange in God's process. Life lives in transitional moments and our involvement in God's purpose is stewarding others, remember it's about them today, through transitional seasons as well as our own lives. They actually work together. They work together. And there can never be anything new without something old. There can be no start without an ending. And in order to see new come to life, we have to end what's keeping us dead. Can we say dead? You know, I don't know what's going on, but like they got some terms coming out, like unalive. Somebody heard this? Like, if we keep masking the reality of things, guess what never changes? The problem. And I'm like, okay. So that's just something I heard recently. And I'm like, we keep, we keep softening the problem and claiming there is, isn't one. But the problem is there's really broken people that the church was meant to take this word and steward into them. 
Once you've conceived of it, it grows fruit out of you, and that fruit, now you feed that child. If they don't want to get up at the table, if they do want to get up at the table, tell them this is good, that they, they got to stay for a bit and try this because they're still living on milk and flaky cereal that gets chunky with milk, and you got to you know, feed it through a bottle, but eventually you need to be eaten off the plate with a knife and a fork and spoon and chewing some stuff, chewing some stuff that just doesn't go down so easy. Oh, this is getting good. If everything you, you, you ate tasted like pudding, pudding, I don't think your, your system would be able to handle much. You know when your system's able to handle much? When you started eating some things that challenge your system. So that's what we're called to do is put that challenge in front of people with grace, humility, Putting God's word in people's life is a challenge. That's why churches are empty and nightclubs are full. Oh, am I getting anybody today? That's why, that's why churches are empty and, you know, Friday night football games are packed in this parking lot. I tell you, man, if everybody that came to the football game came to church, we'd have to get a new building like that. It's priorities, right? So our job as consumers of the truth are to steward the truth. That's where life lives. We're taking a word and planting it in stuff. Remember we talked about the garden, the watermelons, the greenhouse. We talked about all that. There's no new without the old. So my question to you first today, before you can steward is, are you holding on to a weight in your own life that's keeping you down? Or some of us get to this place. All you church folk going to love this, especially you old, you old church folk. Or you got a little old church folk in you. This is going to really rub you the wrong way. Can I do that? If you got the truth, but you're not doing nothing with it, guess what? That stinks. That's a smelly old church is what I smell. There's no life in that. That's consumption, not delivery. And what we're doing there is we're watching our neighbor stay shackled. Oh, this is getting ugly. The truth hurts. Should we, should we say, um, instead of shackled, should we say, they were bound by metal clasps? You know, it's more gentle. But if I make it more gentle, it won't hit home. That what we do as Christians, we consume, we take it, we're full, and we stop there. That's not the gospel. That's, pre that's getting pregnant, that's having a baby, and doing nothing with it. But like I've said before, my children can never grow if they don't get off the milk. So the, the point of us consuming, applying, is that we can then steward life, the word of life, God's word, this Bible, into others who were just like us. Does anybody remember being a sinner? Every day. Every day. You're not supposed to live in your past, but as long as you remember where you came from, you'll stay fresh for tomorrow. That's for sure. Did anybody hear me throwing out a little Greek? A little Greek in the... I don't use Greek much, but I'm working on it. Doxa. Who knows what doxa was in the passage? Splendor. Good. That's glory. Doxa is Greek. It means a manifestation of splendor. Something glorious. Glorious is a bright, radiant, magnificent thing. And depending on what translation you look at, they'll say glory, splendor. 
Or if you read Greek, because I know y'all do, it'll say doxa. But Paul is talking about two glories here. And what we always focus on is the heavenly glory. And we forget about the glory here on earth we're supposed to achieve. That guess what leads you to? The heavenly glory. So if we neglect one, we lose the other. So they work together, and he keeps saying there's, there's two, and they're both relevant. They both have a glory, but they're different. And so I was trying to make sure this, this preach is good and that it can connect because it was somewhat, you know, kind of deep. He's talking about two glories. I got one here on earth. I got one in heaven. I don't know what to do with this glory thing. Like, I got to keep it simple so that we can ingest it because it's not meant to be complicated. So if I do a good job hearing from God, I got to say it in a way that connects. So that's what I pray this will do today. Life lives in stewarding God's word into and through transitional moments. There's a reason I said into, that's into a new transition that someone doesn't know they need. And through are the ones that people are already in and they need your help to get out. There's different kinds of transitions that we are to help assist by being the light of the world, the salt of the earth, the flavor that brings God's word to life and makes it worth something into people. And that's how we do it is we help them through their problems, get them to the good side of things, of life, understanding, and now teach them now they need to enter into the new. That's where life lives. So what are we settling for that's preventing us from stewarding as Christians, or if this is a brand new thing to you, this church thing, what are we settling for that has kept me from coming into God's house till January 29, 2023, which is a great thing, by the way. That's a great thing. But what happened to the other 20 years? This is not a slam. This is what, what is it that I was settling for to keep saying tomorrow is going to be better? I'll wait for that. Meaning, meaning I'll wait to change tomorrow. What did I settle for? I often ask myself still, am I living the life God created me to, to live? Or am I, getting away, am I getting in the way of that, me, my flesh? It doesn't ever go away. What's important is that you remember to ask the question. Because if you never ask the question, you never, you never challenge yourself to think anything could be better because you're just perfect the way you are. And the reality is that's impossible because only God is perfect because he's born without sin and man has a seed of sin. So therefore, everybody's imperfect until you learn that you have to change to get better, to be like God, to find something new. You never will. You have to realize it first. So it's good to always ask yourself, how am I doing today? Am I living the life God ordained me to live? Or do we keep holding on to old weights because they're comfortable enough to let us settle for less. We had a good talk last week, Vince, me and you. And one thing I, I kind of felt like I didn't clarify was when I'm always talking about going for more, going for bigger, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. What it has to be is that you're always being stretched by God. It doesn't mean you got to do what the next person does. Everybody's purpose is different. But, but setting the bar high in your own world, in your own purpose, is good to stay stretching. But it doesn't mean you should become something you're not meant to do. That's why it's important you discern the word and ask God to take you where he wants you to go, and you keep stretching that. And that's at all levels, all ages, all walks of life, all gifts and talents. And so I just was triggered by that, that I didn't really clarify that and want you all to know that. Everything is significant to God. Cleaning toilets is just as important as preaching. Because guess what? The message wouldn't do well if the toilets reeked. 
Can I get an amen, Jen? So what I'm saying to y'all is there is purpose all over this green earth that God created that is significant, powerful, and meant to stretch you if you're willing to search for it. You'll find it. Because God's words lead you to all truth. That's what the Bible says. But only God can determine what your life will actually look like. What's important in your, your part of the basketball court is that you change the garden. Put the seed in there. Now it's growing. I'm going to take that seed. I'm going to plant it in someone else's garden. The rest is God's, God's job. Because let me tell you, when you try to do the rest, you try to plant the body. Did you hear what he's saying? He's saying you can't plant the fruit of what the seed brings. You're trying to plant the body, the, the, the raiment. You plant the seed, God will do the rest. Because if you try to plant the fruit of something, it won't survive. You've got to plant at the seed. God will increase that. And so when you take that worry out of your life that I don't know what I'm supposed to do for God, I don't know this, I don't know what it's going to be. If it's going to be, it better look like this. I better be leading worship or I better be, be serving this way or I better be doing it this way. That will never end God's way because God's not predictable like that. In fact, he's very unpredictable. I think he, I always say, I think he's a comedian sometimes because he'll do it the, the way you least expected to keep you dependent on him. Because as soon as you lose dependence on God, guess what? That's idolatry. He's no longer first in command. He's my chihuahua in my purse. I'm allergic. More so to cats. But I've had dogs, but I am allergic, even though I used to have dogs growing up. Verse 39 says, not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds have another, fish have another. That's God reminding you not to compare. He's challenging them here about the resurrection. This whole passage is about the Corinthians thinking the resurrection is not real. But we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that, why stewarding is relevant to resurrection. But if you don't understand stewarding, there's no resurrection. It's not real if you don't steward. It's not real for, for us if we don't steward. It's like saying, I want a fruit tree, but I never plant anything. Why doesn't the fruit pop out of the ground? Well, it's a choice, right? I have to let go of that settle for less thing and find my doxa or glory here on earth. God says, I got one in heaven and I got one on earth. And to find the one in heaven, I got to find the one on earth. It doesn't mean I got to go searching for it, because guess what? It'll find you if you're hungry. It'll come searching for you if you're hungry. But you got to be hungry for new meat, new Doritos, new foods in your life if you want it to find you and feed you in a way that you haven't been fed before. I'm going to get really deep here for a second. I hope this works. God told me to tell you all this. So if you don't like it, just pray about it. I watch a lot of documentaries on YouTube. And I love music, and I watch a lot of musician documentaries. Many of them, I already know the history of the, the artist and their past, and I just watch it because I've just always been interested. We're talking about glory, right? Doxa, how to find our glory here on earth. I won't say a name, and this is not the only time this has happened, but 
we get in this position of idolatry with the world and they glorify us as an idol. And receiving that is so hard that musicians often get on drugs. They can't handle the pressure because guess what? It was never meant to be that way. They're breaking God's code of conduct. Therefore, it's, it's, it's throwing gasoline on a, a fire of sin that erupts when we become the center of everyone's affection. And so, and this happens in all genres, even Christian music. If we're not careful, we celebritize our pastors. We celebritize our worship groups. If we're not careful, we take Jesus out of it. That's a dangerous place to be. And that's a lot of culture teaching us of Christianity and this material thing. But this is deeper. This is a guy, they say, changed music forever. He was severely drug addicted, severely, super young. And he introduced a genre that really never existed. Y'all can go home and figure it out. It's not complicated. There's only a few that have done that. And then he unalived himself in his 20s or something like that. Brand new baby. Now here people are worshiping this man, saying the legend he left, the legacy, the glory he's got. I don't see that at all. I see a broken kid who knew nothing and no one taught him God's word. That's what I see. Y'all tracking? Well, that don't sound cool. Sorry, don't sound cool. You're here to get, you're here to get, get the biscuit or the gravy or the whole meal. Like, like, that's really heartbreaking to see because I see how it evolves. The pressure creates a scenario that the human can't conceive and then no one's in there to give them enough real talk that they finally check out. Guess what stewarding does? It is the hope for those who don't know any better. Even when drugs are in it, guess what you can do? You can change a drug-addicted person with God's word. Can I get amen, Jackie? You know all about that. We're helping people get out of that old and get into new so they can find God's glory. This artificial thing that the world praises them, and there's so many artists that get that, that is not glory, that's the devil. Not necessarily the music, but the thing it creates takes you from God. Puts, the devil gets in your head, gets you on enough substances to change your thinking and then hate yourself for it. It's, it's, it's the enemy's bluff. And that's what the world will call glory. Oh, his legacy. I'm sorry to say, but their life is not a show for us to watch go by as we see they're shackled. And so what's important, and this, is, this has happened on a much smaller level. We had a neighbor once that was kind of annoying. Can we say that? You know, the kind, <laughs> he said annoying, that's not spiritual. Listen, this is before the church. What I'm saying is, we never talked to that guy because he would talk our ear off. This is when I was like a teenager. And we'd avoid him like the plague. And guess what, one day he turned up unalived in his house. Self-caused. And I never, I never forget how shaken up we were that we had no idea. We had no influence that we chose to exercise. We had influence. We didn't want to be bothered. We didn't know it was that bad. Guess what? Usually you don't. That's why when you make stewarding a part of your life, no matter what, it just comes out of you. You don't have to worry about what if. You know you gave all you had. It doesn't mean you become a slave to somebody else. It means you're always propagating God's word into hearts and God will do the rest. 
That's how you sleep at night. You can praise for that. That's how you sleep at night. Because if you take God's word and you think you're the one in control of planting that thing, you will go crazy. Pastoring would be a lost cause because I can't hold on to the weight of the decisions y'all make. All I can do is plant seeds in y'all and God gives the increase. And you can't, make, you can't control the decisions your neighbor makes. You got to plant seed in them and God gives the increase. Because it's not meant for us to control that. That's legalism. I'm not doing that. Don't feel right. Because it's not right. God is the judge. God gives the growth. But we have to steward word. Have to. Otherwise, we're watching the next documentary on YouTube about maybe someone we knew. And this, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Let me just pause right here. There's sometimes it's out of your hands. It always will be. There's nothing you could have done different. Life is life, unfortunately. And it's, it's, a, it's a world of sin we live in. And we, there's, there's darkness battles all the time. The, the, the hope here is that we can just become a little more aware to it and we will steward a little harder. And we might help reduce some of that. Is that making sense? There's a real enemy in this world trying to destroy God's house, God's church, God's people. And so when you look at it like that, look at it like he does it through the people you know. He wants to bring down the, the joy He wants to turn down the brightness of the glory. And so our job is to keep that light shining bright everywhere we go. Life lives in stewarding God's word into the new season and through and out of the old seasons. The new was made to replace old. That's why it's new. Verse 36, he says, how foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless something dies. It's got to die first. We talked about my bushes. So we use all kinds of great illustrations. Those bushes die every, now I'm scared to say die, I feel weird. Those bushes die every season and then they grow back, new. But the new cannot come until the old goes away. Maybe our current walk with God is toxic. Maybe we're crabby all the time. Maybe we're mean. Does anybody mean? I'm mean sometimes. Nobody else is mean ever? Thank you, Anthony. Goodness, I feel really lost right now. Are we flesh or are we flesh? I'm not saying we should stay mean, but we are flesh. So the the tension from the stress, uh, the stretch will still hurt sometimes. It's important that we recognize the stretch and go for new. But maybe that's where we're at. We're in a... Man, there's some, there's some people I see in the church world, not, not anything here, like on a much bigger scale, and it really kind of scares me because the image they're painting is celebrity. And guess what? When you really want to be a celebrity... You don't have to try. Did Jesus go out and say, who wants my autograph? No. Guess what he did? He did what was in his heart to do, and the rest works itself out. Because of its authenticity is why the popularity grew. The fake thing, it doesn't last. And what's really scary is when the fake thing starts twisting people's journey 
down another direction. And so there's like this toxicity going on in and outside of God's house. And that's why I always pray that, because I, I take this really seriously, I always tell God, God, I understand I got to mingle with the world's system, but I can't ever sabotage truth or we become the world. So we have to have a line of separation to know the difference. And if there's not a separation, then there's no difference. And if there becomes no difference, then at some point you won't know what you think on your own because you don't remember the difference. That's why this is a conscious, conscious thing we do every day with our walk is we, we ask God to give us clarity, focus, and lead us into new that's from him. But I used to make a joke about when we were in the high school. I said, this community this is when I was fired up. It was for year one. And now I'm like boring. No, I'm kidding. Year five, he's, he's mellowed. Now that's just old age. But um, I'm kidding, y'all. I would say, this, this community's on rice cakes. They don't, need, they don't know they're hungry for steak yet. They think it's good, but their palates never tasted what's good. And I still really believe that because as much as I love Camilla, eventually she's going to be tired of those little puffy things that have no flavor because she's going to learn and develop a new taste for something that is sustaining her at a, at a bigger more functional age that those can't. And so I still believe that this world we live in is happy on drive-through. They're still missing the fresh mozzarella with the prosciutto on the crostini made, made at home, make your own, and then some balsamic vinegar. They don't know that that tastes so much better than the crackers. So you gotta, you gotta challenge your palate to know that you're actually really hungry. Who's hungry now? I tell you, I could eat like finger foods the rest of my life. They're just the most fun thing. They're the most fun thing. Who likes crostinis? Anybody? Chloe and me. You're my daughter, cheater. Caleb, you're my son. For real, y'all, you can't recognize hunger until you've tasted the need for more. Otherwise, you think you're being fed. But you might be starving from the inside out. And part of starving from the inside out is not learning that God's word is meant to go from you into somebody else. And if it ever keeps going forward, we're staying infants. Infants is just for a season. I want a mature church that knows how to go after the world and find lost souls and give them a word that they know is changing because it's changed them. That's the church that's going to be effective to turning this community around from rice cakes to steak. And that's how we get there, is we challenge our palate. Newness doesn't always feel good, but it, you know, at first, but it can even hurt. And when it hurts, we think that's the devil. My kids thought I was the devil many times at the table. I won't tell you how bad it got. Y'all probably think I'm a mean dad, but it's what saved them into eating. I mean, there'd be tears. They'd be, they'd be throwing up sometimes because they'd gag because they so, they'd get so upset, they'd, they'd gag themselves. And then I'm like, you did that? I just said, taste it. <laughs> you know, they just like, whatever it took to get out of it, I still make them sit there. I say, you can, you can do that all you want, but you're tasting this food till you get up. 
And then I let them up because I feel bad. We do it again the next day until it was resolved. But when they, when they had to do that, they thought dad was the devil. But sometimes what's good doesn't feel good at first because it's new. Stretching doesn't feel good, especially when you do it too quick. That's how you pull something. Stretching is a, is a good pain. It hurts a little. It's got to hurt a little for it to be good. If it never hurts at all, it's not God. It's not supposed to be easy peasy forever. I'm not saying God don't give you blessing that makes you feel good, like, like um, good food. And what I'm saying is, though, God is often the one who challenged us with the stretch, and we think it's the enemy. So then we opt out of the stretch. We opt out of trying the food. How many have heard this old, this old timer, this old timer figure of speech? Maybe I can say it right. They're so heavenly bound, they're no earthly good. Anybody heard that? You know, they're really spiritual people that are just walking angels. They have halos everywhere they go. They wear robes to Walmart. (laughs) White robes to Walmart. And I've seen a lot of weird people at Walmart, but that's something I wasn't expecting, Jen. The robes and the halo. I'm going to Target. (laughs) My wife loves Walmart. Anyway, um, those people, I love them. Guess what they're not doing? Stewarding for the glory that has to exist here. There's two glories, remember? He says there's the one here on earth and there's the one in heaven. And if I throw away the one here on earth with people because I know about heaven so much that all I think about is getting there, guess what I do? I watch my neighbor stay shackled. Is this connecting with anybody? We want to be heaven focused, but pursue earth while we're here because heaven will have its time. Right now, the glory to heaven happens through what we do through the glory on earth of God's word. I don't want to sit around just waiting on heaven. I want to be used in a way that's once in a lifetime. That's what I want. Because I know that that's how God created our life to be. It's a once in a lifetime for each of us, how he created it to be. That's what we want to find to find the glory here on earth. And that's, that's the resurrection First, that has to happen. Oh, this is going to get good. Oh, he's preaching today. He's 39 past. He's only on point three. Mm-hmm. One more thing on stewarding. Sometimes it's into. Sometimes it's through. Sometimes it's both. Remember, stewarding is helping somebody get through where they're at in the old and into that newness of life the Bible preaches of in Acts the new thing. I steward them through, and then I steward them into something they think is from the enemy sometimes, but I don't care because I know it's God's word, and I know once they get it, they're going to love it and never go back to milk because God did that to me. And I know if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for anyone. So that's how I know when I'm stewarding, if it's God's word and it's good and it's gracious and it's compassionate, it will root. Now, if you go in there with a dagger, it's not going to root. They will run from your tree. But sometimes it's in two, sometimes it's through, sometimes it's both. Life lives in stewarding God's word. What did he say God will do? 
He says in verse 42, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, but it is raised imperishable. Now he's talking about the spirit. What does he do? God will bring it back. God brings it back new. Now, if I'm putting you all to sleep, don't worry, I'm going to get fired up in a minute when I give you some strong word here, because if this don't catch you, you're missing the message. He takes the dead. Remember, the Corinthians thought there was no resurrection. This was after Christ, guess what, resurrected and was gone from the tomb. This is the epistles after the, the gospels, after the birth of the church, into the Gentile ministry of Paul to the Corinthians, who are Greek. He takes dead and he raises it to life. Imperishable becomes imperishable, which means it can't die. New life, by God's word, comes through repentance and baptism by water and fire. That's spirit baptism. It's a threefold thing. And when God does that, he takes the old, buries it, and raises you new. Why does God, why does God use fire so much? Because it purges. And what it purges, it can't grow back. There's a, there's a reason he, he has the allegory of, of, of fire with, with his word because fire purges. Therefore, that's why the spirit of God is fire. They say Holy Ghost fire. It purges. What was gone is gone forever. Is this making sense? I didn't just rinse it off. I rinsed it off. I shoved it in the ground, and now I've got something new, and I burned that puppy. It's gone. I am born new with fire in me. The Holy Ghost fire, whose shoes I'm not worthy to lose. He shall come purging y'all with fire, says John the Baptist. John just preached into repentance, but Jesus comes to purge y'all with Holy Ghost fire. That is how you get to resurrection on earth. That is the new experience on earth. And if that sounds good to you, I want you to listen carefully that you got to have resurrection on earth to find resurrection in heaven. You got to have it. You got to turn. That's repentance. I'm cutting away the way I've been doing it and I'm turning to God. I'm sorry, God. I'm done with that. Show me new. God, I'm going to publicly show that I'm done with you and I'm going to profess Christ. That's cleansing by the word. That's water baptism. And then I'm going to say, God, come inside me. Fill me with your spirit because guess what? If I don't have your DNA, how can I be from you? So I got to become one with you. And so when we became one with God, we become the body on earth as as they did in Acts. And that's why you have to be purge with fire to come in union with Jesus's DNA. We should clap for that. Without it, we're in trouble. Oh, well, he's not supposed to talk about deep stuff because that doesn't make me feel, you know what? I'm trying to help y'all find the way to the, to the heavens according to the book. So you got to take that word and plant it in somebody else and quit playing all this bureaucratic junk and what well, I think this and I think that. You know what? Take his word, put it in someone else, and let God do it. God will do it. I don't need to pull your strings. I'm not Pinocchio. God will do it. I plant seeds. I steward God's word. God does the rest. It's so much easier, and that's the way God meant it to be. That's good. Y'all can stand with me. We have a job to do. Look to your neighbor, tell him, you're hired. No prerequisite. Well, one, God's word. You got to have God's word for this one. If you're willing to take God's word 
then you have a job to do for his kingdom. That is to magnify him by stewarding his word into others so that the life you found, maybe you haven't found it, maybe you're going to find it today, maybe you've already found it, that life is now for them. And they're going to find it because of the seed you plant in them. Those transitions, um, those, those moments, they're like pivots for God. Like I can look back and see pivots. We talked about seasons changing, navigating change. It's kind of like similar, but this is about the stewarding part of it. You can see where someone's seed came from sometimes because they, they link it back to someone who planted in their life. And then they become something mighty for God. And, and it's so cool to see that root into them. We don't live in those transitions, but we recognize them because that's where life blossoms. It's where it lives. Life lives in stewarding God's word after application to your own soil and then putting that into and through the transitions of those we encounter. I know that with my little Camilla, she may not like Doritos now, but every time I give her something new to taste, she's going to more so know how to get through something new tomorrow because she's experienced, she's learning, she's stretching. She's adjusting. If I throw a filet mignon at her this weekend or something, and she's only had milk, she's going to not be happy with dad. But when she's 10, she's going to be like, I want some of that too, dad. Because we worked it. We worked it. We stretched. We stretched into God's goodness. We're stretching. Who wants to stretch today for God's kingdom? Who wants to be stretched into something they didn't even know God could do with them because they've already checked out on themselves? But I want you to look in the mirror today when you go home. Look in your car mirror when you get in the car and say, God wants to do something I don't even understand yet. It's bigger than I can put my brain around. That's what God wants to do to you because that's going to root a faith in you that you'll be witnessing like, like fire, baby. You will be witnessing so strong because you never saw that coming. One seat church. Yeah, I never saw that coming. I said, I'm doing that pastor thing. That's, I'm a musician. That's, I'm never going to, I would never do. And here we are. God changes you, man. He will change you and he will bring something so much better than you ever planned. We talk, I'm going to close with this. We talked about the music. My dream as a kid was to be the, to be the pop star, you know, you know, the little Michael Jackson from Chesterfield or whatever, but that's so empty. And I didn't know that that was rice cakes until I got a little older. And I said, man, God's word is where the meat's at. And what if we can magnify God with music? What if we could take music and magnify God into a place to condition people's hearts and then get them into a church and then grow a church that sees it, sees it like the book of Acts, that sees it like the Gospels, and they, they bring back that fire, that, that revival word. You know, they bring that back. What if, what if God could do that? I don't know. I think he could do it. I'm just going to go try it, Michelle. And we did it, and we're doing it, and now we're doing it together. And we keep going, and there's people down the road that are coming in tomorrow, and you don't know yet, and they're going to do it with us. I'm going to keep preaching it until I freeze in my cold plunge. I love y'all. Let's pray. God, we're thankful today that your word roots 
It roots if we're willing to plant. I don't got to worry about the season because you're going to root something as long as I do something with that word. And now I know how to apply it to my life. I need to stay in your word. I need to pray on your word. I need to ask for clarity. I need to get out a devotional, maybe even a one seed devotional on the Bible app. And I need to plant some word in my heart that I didn't know was needed. And now I'm going to understand that I got an appetite. And as I got an appetite, I'm going to start eating more. And as I start eating more, I'm going to be really hungry to, to like serve this to somebody else. And I'm going to become a steward of your word in my giving, in my time, in my love, in everything. Because everything I have came from you. It never was mine to begin with. So if I'm willing to give it away, what could you do for this world, God? I'm willing to find out. Give me that clarity, God. Because I want to see someone's life change in 2023. We give you praise now. We believe it. We claim it. And we'll see you next time, God. At the next time we worship because you're good forever. And the house of God says in Jesus' name, amen.